Amen. Well, it is good to be with you this morning. Um, this Today will be the third Sunday in our uh, brief series on church planting and what the Lord would have North Hills to do uh, in that regard. Uh, that, that song is very powerful in, in its message. Uh, we desire for the Lord to build his church. Um, speak as well to his people. And as we will see in the text uh, today, uh, God did in fact speak to uh, the church at Antioch, but he continues to speak uh, to this day. He has spoken to us by the power of his word. We have his holy inspired word and we are so thankful that we do. So why, just, just a reminder for all of us, why did we take this time to focus on church planting? Um, North Hills from the onset, and this has been said uh, several times, has desired to plant a church. Uh, did not desire to grow and grow and build our brand or our presence in, in a certain region, a certain area, uh, but our desire was for the kingdom of God to grow and to expand beyond whatever walls we may be in on any uh, given Sunday or any given week. And we have seen at North Hills, I'm looking out right now and seeing uh, qualified men who have been brought here with their families, qualified men in our congregation who are called to preach and to shepherd God's flock. Some uh, that are not here today have been uh, brought to our congregation as well. And we want to grow the kingdom of God in a biblical way. Uh, church planting is popular. We, we don't want to um, escape that fact that it's a, it's a, a buzzword in a lot of uh, different areas that, that we're a part of. Church planting is popular, but it, is it being done in a biblical, God-honoring way? We hope so. We pray that that's, that's the fact. But we um, desire to, as long as it is up to us, to build and to plant in a certain, uh, in a biblical way. And why, how do we do that? We go to Scripture, right? We read God's Word. God's Word is inspired. It's given to us for guidance and how to take the next step. Um, we must be careful as we go through this series and, and do the, the next steps that may come about not to interpret the Scripture and fit it to our agenda. Uh, we strive to understand God's Word, His plan in advancing His kingdom. So, um, in, in my study this week, uh, the last, last couple of weeks, as I've been thinking through this, um, and we'll see it in the text this morning, the work, that phrase is repeated, the work. And what is the work? Well, it is not about North Hills. It is not about our work. It is about the kingdom. This is kingdom work that we are called to be a part of. And so after the message today, after we close this series, uh, there won't be a sign-up sheet in the back to say, uh, yes, I'm ready to go uh, plant this church with uh, whoever it may be, Adam, Evan, um, or anyone else that, that may be called to be sent out. Uh, we're not at that stage. We don't have any established plans right now, but we know that God is stirring in the hearts of his people, and we desire to be a part of this new, new work, whatever that looks like. And so, in today's text, if you have your Bible, uh, turn to the book of Acts. We are still in Acts, for this is where the church started, and church planting became a thing. Acts will be in Acts 13 and 14, not all of those chapters. Those are, those are two lengthy chapters. We will read uh, portions of that um, of 13 and 14 and then we'll highlight that middle part but just to get us caught up to to where we've been James Douglas laid the foundation for us a couple of weeks ago as he looked at Acts 1 and 2 Acts 1 we saw Christ's ascension and his call for the disciples to be his witnesses in Jerusalem Judea and Samaria 
And then it is uh, his church, Christ's church. He is the foundation. He is the rock. And then we saw in Acts 2, the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. The church gathered. The truth of God was spoken in all languages. People understood the gospel was proclaimed. Power was given to the disciples. Peter, uh, Peter preached a powerful sermon. And about we saw about 3,000 souls added to the faith. And we saw the church gathered, as Acts 2 reminds us, 42 through 47. And then last week, John continued in Acts chapter 11, where we saw the church was scattered after the stoning of Stephen. And this was a way that God uh, advanced his kingdom. After this stoning of Stephen, uh, many disciples went to different places. Uh, They ended up at Antioch, and as we'll focus on that church uh, this morning, but John reminded us that we plant churches to proclaim the gospel, to teach the gospel, and to support the gospel. And in fact, we saw Paul or Saul and Barnabas come to the church at Antioch after this dispersion took place. And today we'll specifically look at the church at Antioch to see what happened there as the kingdom of God continued to advance. I think John coined it the first Christian church of Antioch. I'm not sure if that was the exact name, but it sounds good today. Um, And just a reminder, too, this is not a step-by-step formula that we're we're adopting or that we're going to put in place. Uh, Things that were happening in the book of Acts were were unique and special uh, for that time in history and in building of God's kingdom and his church. There are things today that, that we, in our context, in our uh, time in history, will look a little different, but the foundation will be the same. The truths of God's word and his scripture and building his kingdom will be the same. We will read it, we will study it, we will apply it to our lives and to our church. We desire to do this uh, in a biblical, biblical fashion. So here's the outline for today. If you're you desire to take notes um, we will have four different points or four different uh, ideas that we look at in these passages number one is the church prepared and that's acts 13 1 through 2 the church prepared number two we'll see the church sent and that's acts 13 verses 3 through 5 next we will see the church multiplied And that's that big section, Acts 13, verse 6 through 14, verse uh, 23. And then the last idea we'll look at is the church heard about the work. Acts 14, 24 through 28. And yes, I'm fully aware that that was not an alliteration uh, that some of our more gifted uh, pastors and elders give but uh, it's the best the best that, that I could do so um, well let's read Acts 13 1 through 5 and then 14 21 through 28 and see what the Lord did here in Acts verse 1 now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers Barnabas Simeon who was called Niger Lucius of Cyrene Manaen, a member of the court of Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then, after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had John to assist them. Now turn over to chapter 14, verse 21. When they had preached the gospel to that city, city of Derbe, and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium, and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying, 
that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had had appointed elders for them in every church, with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Then they passed through Pisidia and came to Pamphylia, or Pamphylia. And when they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Atalia. And from there they sailed to Antioch, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work that they had fulfilled. And when they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And they remained no little time with the disciples. We are thankful for God speaking through his holy word. Let's pray together. Father, we uh, come to you. Desperate need of your truth, of your presence, of your leading your people. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you do speak through the power of your word. We thank you that your spirit continues to work in the hearts and the lives of your people here and those who would look to you in faith. We ask that you speak to us this morning, O Lord. Open our hearts, our minds, any preconceived thoughts or, or plans that we may have had or, or think we know, would you set us straight through Scripture, through your Word, through your Spirit. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. So, the first part, the church prepared, Acts 13, uh, verses 1 and 2. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, and it lists them, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, a member of the court of Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. So who were they? Prophets and teachers. Uh, these were men that were called and brought to the church at Antioch to proclaim the truth. Now the prophet here is um, one who proclaims or, or teaches the truth or proclaims God's word. Now there were certain prophets at this time, as as John read last week, and we see in different chapters of Acts that Agabus had these special revelations from God that were given, one about the famine and one about how Paul would suffer for the name of, of the Lord. Uh, those, those prophets and that special revelation, uh, contrary to what you may hear today, is um, we, don't, we don't see that. But the word prophet uh, remains that those who proclaim the truth, so that would be the elders of this church and other churches that continue to proclaim God's word and speak the truth to the people. And then there are also teachers, and this would be more of a, a discipleship or a teacher-student role, um, a pedagogy, if you will, that uh, in a smaller setting. So this church at Antioch had prophets, those who proclaimed the word and those who taught and discipled others. And that's kind of what we desire and, and have here at North Hills, not in a um, necessarily formal seminary setting, but we desire to proclaim the truth of God's word and to also, in our small groups and our different settings, teach God's word. And you had all, all these that were listed, Barnabas, Simeon, Lucius, Menaean, and Saul. These men were the leaders in the church of Antioch, and God had gathered them from all different areas and walks of life to lead his church. So that's, that's who they were. What were they doing? Verse 2 says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. They were worshiping the Lord and fasting. Your, your scripture may say they were ministering to the Lord. The word uh, there, the Greek word, liturgeo, means to perform a public or priestly office. So this ministering was an act of worship unto God. They had committed themselves to the, the same things that the apostles had devoted themselves to that we saw in Acts 6, verse 4, 
prayer and the preaching of the word. These men were ministering in the church at Antioch. And God was preparing this church by sending these men to be a part of leading them and shepherding them and then sending them out to plant new churches. So when I say the church uh, prepared, I don't mean that they were planning, having strategy meetings, strategy sessions on, you know, we should go here, we should plant here, you know, this would be a good place to do. Um, Perhaps that was part of it, but scripture isn't clear there. What scripture says, what they were doing was ministering and fasting in the local congregation. So they were serving the local church and doing the Lord's work there at Antioch. And what happened? Well, the Holy Spirit spoke. He says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, verse 2, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work. There's that phrase again, the work to which I have called them. The third person of the Trinity spoke to these men, to these prophets and teachers at Antioch. The power that, was, that had come on Peter and the other disciples at Pentecost was continuing to move here at the church of Antioch. It's not specific, you know, was it an audible voice? Was it something that they actually heard? Uh, perhaps, maybe it was, but uh, that is not the point. That is not uh, what we're looking for here. The point was that the Holy Spirit spoke, these men heard it, and listened. We do not, um, again, like I said earlier, this is not what these men were doing did not automatically uh, evoke a response from the Holy Spirit, right? They, because they were ministering and fasting, the Holy Spirit didn't say, oh, I, I must awake and move in this place. No, this was, I want us to remember, this is all the working of the Holy Spirit, the working of the Lord. God is the one who is initiating this work. He's the one from the, from the beginning of Scripture to now to today and to these works that we see in Acts. God is the one who is moving and working and uh, shaping the lives of these men and building his kingdom. And so just because they were ministering and fasting uh, did not bring this about. This was God's plan for his spirit to speak and to move in and among these men. The men were preparing. The leaders of the church were preparing their hearts, uh, their hearts as they ministered, their stomachs as they fasted, their whole lives to be used however the Lord saw fit to use them. So that's our first point, our first idea. The church prepared. These leaders, these prophets and teachers, along with, I'm sure, the entire congregation as they were ministering to them, they were prepared. The second part, uh, the church sent, verses 3 through 5. So the Spirit spoke, and then he says, well, then it says, then after fasting and praying, there's fasting again and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. Verse 4, so being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia and then to Cyprus. When they had arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews and they had John to assist them. Sent them off. The church sent. Uh, another way that um, you can phrase that is they let them go. Uh, it was not the church's ordaining, and the laying on of hands, and the sending out. Again, as I said before, this was the work of the Holy Spirit. And the church was simply obedient. And they said yes, absolutely. And they let them go and be a part of the work that the Spirit had set for them. And notice that they didn't argue or maybe have more meetings uh, just to make sure, is this a good idea? Should we really do this? Uh, Saul and Barnabas, uh, yeah, are these, are these the right men? No, the hearts of the people of the church was already prepared. They were placing their faith in the Holy Spirit. They simply obeyed uh, what the prophets and teachers explained to them, what the Holy Spirit had spoken. And again, they said yes and let them go. 
Verse 4, Luke reminds us, uh, Luke, the author of Acts here, through the Holy Spirit, reminds us that they were sent out by the Holy Spirit. It was not a work of man, it was a work of God that they began this journey of planting churches. The Holy Spirit is the author, the initiator of this work. In verse 5, they went to Cyprus, and if you know, which I know most of you do, know your Bible, you'll know that Barnabas was from there. This was his place of birth. Um, so they went there. For, for whatever reason, the Holy Spirit led them there, and this would have been his hometown, his place that people knew him, and they began there to proclaim the gospel in the synagogue of the Jews. And this was common. Uh, in this new work that we'll see throughout Acts. If you read the entire book of Acts, usually where they start is in the synagogues. That's where Paul, uh, Peter, all these men are comfortable maybe going to, or this is, this is their people. These are the ones that they know. And we'll see in, in the text a little bit how Paul goes from the Jews then to the Gentiles. So, we see that the church at Antioch, they were obedient to the calling of the Holy Spirit. They let them go, sent them out for the work that he had prepared. So our second point was the church sent. All right, the next point or idea we want to look at is the church multiplied. And so in, in verses, um, this is the, the large section, 13.6 through 1423. Again, I'm not going to read all that, but I do want to highlight some of the things uh, that happened in that time frame. This is an estimated time of about two years, okay? Um, I'm sure that can be debated, but in, in the research that I did, I saw there was about a two-year time frame um, that Saul and Barnabas were sent out, made these travels, this journey, and came back to report at the church at Antioch. Um, we see here in this time frame, we see great spiritual victories that took place, but we also see difficult days. We see hardships. We see tribulations that Paul and Barnabas faced. So, a few of the highlights. Verse 6, uh, they came to Paphos, which is a city on the southwest coast of Cyprus. They went all through the island of Cyprus, well, Paphos was the seat of the Roman government there in that area. And you had the proconsul Sergius Paulus. And verse 7 tells us that he desired to hear the word of God. But immediately, their opposition is faced. Uh, Bar-Jesus, also called Elimas, was a magician, and he desired the proconsul not to hear the word of God. Uh, one big part, verse 9, shows us that Saul's name changed to Paul. It's just a, a brief mention, but from then on, we call him Paul. Well, he does a miracle and strikes Elimas bl with blindness for his deceit in trying to get in the way of the work. Well, through this miracle, the proconsul believes. And so we have that that happened. Uh, Antioch in Pisidia, which is a different Antioch. Verse 16, we see that Paul preaches Christ in the synagogue, a sermon that's very similar to Stephen's sermon that John talked about uh, last week. Verse 43, we see that many Jews believed. In verses 44 through 47, here's the part where we see Paul condemning the Jews because of their unbelief, their rejection of the gospel, and he says that now we will turn to the Gentiles to proclaim the gospel. And that's verses 44 through 47 of chapter 13. And it reminded me, as, and it, it may you as well, but I'm reminded in Genesis when God is speaking to Abraham and reminding him that through your offspring, Abraham, all nations would be blessed. And the people of Israel, the people of God, again, Romans 1, 16 reminds us that salvation first for the Jew then for the Gentile. Salvation, yes, came through Christ, who was of Jewish lineage, but through Christ, through Abraham's offspring, 
all the nations of the world would be blessed. And so for Gentiles, if we in here are most of us Gentile descent, we can hear the gospel and be grafted in to the kingdom of God. And it was a great celebration. The Gentiles were able to enter into this door of salvation that's open by God. Verse 48 through 49, we see the sovereignty of God in salvation. The word of the Lord continued to spread throughout the region. I'll just read that, 48 and 49. When the Gentiles heard this, that the door of salvation had been opened to them, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many were as were appointed to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. This reminds us, it is the work of the Spirit. It is the work of the Father in the hearts and lives of these Jews and these Gentiles for salvation to come to them. Well, we continue on verse 50. The hardship continues. They're driven out. They're driven out of the area. And then into chapter 14, we see Paul and Barnabas at Iconium. Verse 1 through 7, they preached Christ in the synagogues again, and some believed. Verses 6 through 7, they were going to be stoned because of their hatred for them preaching Christ, but they fled to Lystra and Derbe and continued to preach the gospel. Now into Lystra, verses 8 through 18, Paul healed a man who had never walked. And because of this great miracle, the people were so uh, excited, so uh, enthralled at what they saw, they desired to offer sacrifices to Paul and Barnabas. They thought they were Zeus and Hermes. So you see this, uh, the worldly, the pagan influence that was heavy in these places and how now the light comes and the gospel is shared and they hear it, but yet they see these works and they're still, you know, uh, drawn to their their way of life their original way of thinking and they want to offer sacrifices because they've seen this great work and of course Paul and Barnabas want nothing of this they tear their clothes and they remind them who they are and then they point to who God is and they preach Christ even in the midst of this uh, pagan ideas that were uh, being brought forth as they were there In verse 19, Paul was stoned by Jews from Antioch in Pisidia and Iconium, and he was left for dead. But verse 20, we see see that when the disciples gathered around him, Paul rose up and they went to Derbe. And then verse 21, as we read a moment ago, they preached the gospel and made many disciples. I'll read it here. When they preached the gospel to that city, and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch. That should, made many disciples, that word, that phrase should sound familiar to you. Is this not what Christ said in the Great Commission? To go make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son of the Holy Spirit. This, again, is part of the work This is part of the work that Christ has established, that the Holy Spirit is continuing in the hearts and lives of these men at the church at Antioch. Make disciples among all nations. All right, continuing verse 22 and 23, they make their way back through each city where they had already come from. So if you're not familiar with Paul's and Barnabas' journey, missionary journey, You know, you have a map in the back of your Bible probably that shows it. It may be a little confusing at times uh, to follow the the dotted lines or or wherever uh, it leads there. But they, they make their way through these cities, and then they come back through these cities. Over this two year span, as they're preaching the gospel, as they're planting churches, now they're coming coming back to these churches. In verses twenty two through twenty three we see that What were they doing as they were going back through uh, these cities? And this is where we see the heart of Paul and Barnabas 
as not just church planters, but as shepherds and as pastors. They desire these churches to be healthy, to flourish. This is more of the work, uh, not just planting churches, right? It's maybe, maybe it's easy to establish a new work, do all the necessary things that you have to do to get the right people, get the right uh, location, get the right funding. Those things we can do. But to continue that work, to come back to that place, to that work, what, what has been happening while they were gone? Well, we see that they strengthen the souls of the disciples. They encourage them to continue in the faith. And then they point to tribulation. Uh, verse 22 there, it says, uh, Through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. So no doubt were Paul and Barnabas experiencing tribulation, but these new churches... These new works, uh, I can't imagine that they're, they're built up and started in these pagan areas and there's not people around them that desire them to crumble. Um, this was not uh, widely accepted as we see uh, Paul and Barnabas and people wanting to kill them, wanting to stone them. These new works, these new church plants, I'm sure faced many opposition, much opposition and tribulation. And Paul is reminding them to remain strong in the Lord, continue in the faith. And then as we have preached often here in recent days, they appointed elders in every church. This is the model that we do see in Scripture and that we do desire to uh, adopt here in North Hills and to see other churches adopt a biblical uh, governance, so to speak, of the church. Elders, plurality, multiple men leading the people of God, leading the flock. And that's verse 23. When they had appointed elders for them in every church, here we go again, with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they believed. The kingdom continued to grow. The church multiplied. So we saw the church prepared, the church sent out, the church multiplied. And finally here we, we see that the church heard of the work. Verse 24 through 28. Paul and Barnabas kept going through these cities that they had come gone through at the beginning. They continued to preach the word. Verse 24, 25, and 26. And then they, sets, they sailed to Antioch in verse 26, where they had been commended to the grace of God for, here it is again, the work that they had fulfilled. Verse 27, when they had arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And they remained no little time with the disciples. So they returned, they, they come back to Antioch, the place where the Spirit spoke, and they were sent out where it began. They returned, and they gathered the church together to hear of what God had done, including the opening of the door of salvation for the Gentiles. And note here, Paul and Barnabas. Paul, uh, we know throughout Scripture, sometimes he will list all the reasons that he could boast, all the uh, the things that were in his favor, you know, of the tribe of Benjamin, a, a Hebrew of Hebrews, you know, a, a Pharisee. He had the lineage. He had all the, the resume, so to speak. And yet, what did he do? He counted it rubbish for the cause of Christ, for the sake of Christ. Paul and Barnabas did not boast in their work. You know, I was stoned and uh, came back to life. I uh, thought I'd mention that. Paul could have mentioned that. And of course, he, he probably told that, but it was not Paul's doing. It was the work of God in and among Paul and Barnabas as they traveled through these places. God received the honor and glory for the work. They did not boast about their amazing church planting skills, but simply told of what God had done. Uh, the commentary uh, that Matthew Henry wrote, uh, I thought this, this line was really good. 
uh, to read this morning. So uh, it's not really long, but just, just listen as I read it. He's speaking of this passage right here. They did not, Paul and Barnabas, did not tell what they had done. This would have savored of vain glory, but what God had done with them and by them. Note, the praise of all the little good we do at any time must be ascribed to God, must be given to God. For it is He that not only works in us both to will and to do, but then works with us to make what we do successful. God's grace can do anything without ministers preaching. But ministers preaching, even Paul's, can do nothing without God's grace. And the operations of that grace must be acknowledged in the efficacy of the word. The power is not in Paul and Barnabas in their preaching, in their church planning skills. The power alone comes from God. And they gave him the glory of all that he had done. I'm sure that the church at Antioch was very excited to hear of all the work that had taken place. They had not seen Paul and Barnabas for two years now, and they returned with news of this journey. A uh, little different time than we live in today, right? Where we could uh, email each other, we could text each other, we could post it on something to tell of the work. Here, it's, it's a longer uh, time span. So to hear of the work, I'm sure, was a very sweet, um, worshipful time for that church. And it reminds me, uh, when I was young, and maybe a lot of y'all experienced this, probably not, y'all are all good believers, good Christians. Um, but when a missionary would come and share, it was, of course, on a Sunday night, you know, uh, not, not well attended necessarily, but my family was there, and we would hear of reports from a missionary, usually included a slideshow, pictures. Um, I remember being so bored, right? I remember thinking, uh, can this be over, please, and I can go play, we can go eat, whatever it may be. And as I am uh, much older now, I am reminded of how selfish and self-focused I was. I get it. Right now you may be saying, when can I go eat? When can I leave this place? I, I fully understand. But the selfishness that I had then, not to, to hear of what God was doing throughout the world. Maybe this missionary, maybe they weren't doing it just the way Scripture spoke of. So maybe there were areas that we could disagree with. But to hear of the work of the Lord, I pray, church, North Hills, that we would be so excited and so, um, so desire to hear of what God is doing uh, in and among his people as we plant churches and as we go to the ends of the earth. We want to be kingdom focused. Another reason why we desire to plant churches. And so after this, after Paul, they come back and report. Uh, the church at Antioch just continues on. You know, they, they keep doing their thing, right? The, the work continues at the church at Antioch. Throughout the book of Acts, if you continue to read, you will see that Paul, they have another missionary journey that starts out of Antioch and ends there. And then yet a third one that starts out of Antioch. This, this hub of church planting and kingdom advancing continues at that church. So the church heard of the work and the work continued there at Antioch. So, this is the word of the Lord spoken uh, through the author, the Holy Spirit, written by Luke. What about us? As we have read this and see what God has spoken and said, how are we, uh, what is God calling us to do in light of this text? Your, your elders um, want you to know that uh, we are giving you, and this sounds silly, but, but in all, I believe it's very serious. Uh, 
we want to give you the freedom to consider what the Lord is calling you to do. Um, some may think, or, or you may think, like like maybe I have, or or some others, and like, okay, things are going really good at North Hills. Uh, we're we're seeing families uh, join. We're seeing uh, birth of new children as we grow. We're seeing people come to faith in Christ, baptisms, discipleship, not just in in this location, but in other locations. We are seeing the kingdom advance and grow. Why would we want to to change that? Your elders, um, we are praying about this. We have no, as I said earlier, there's no sign-up sheet today. But there is, the Spirit is working. The Spirit is speaking. Uh, the Spirit spoke audibly to them. He speaks to us today through His Word. But we are emotional creatures. And the Spirit speaks to us. Now we have to align it with Scripture and not go off on our own mystic idea, whatever we, we think is great. No, absolutely. Rooted in the Scriptures. But there is a reason that the Spirit stirred in John McCartney's heart years ago to plant a church. There's a reason that the Lord is stirring in the hearts of Adam Johnson and Evan Kinese to start or replant new works in our area. We want you to know that you have the freedom to pray and to seek this, the Lord and His will in this process. As we go back through these points, the church prepared. North Hills, we are preparing. God is bringing qualified men to our congregation, much like he did to the church at Antioch. We desire to prepare our hearts and our minds for this work. We will continue to pray and wait on the Lord for his timing. We may call for, and if you were uncomfortable when I used, in the scripture used this word earlier, we may call for a time of fasting and praying because we want to specifically focus on this work that the Lord is calling us to do. Now just a quick aside on, on fasting. Um, you know, there are, there are lots of thoughts and, and fasting is, is a buzzword nowadays, intermittent fasting and, and things of that nature. Uh, but spiritually, you know, fasting is a few things. It's not a command, not a command in Scripture. It does not make you more holy or more uh, closer to God. Uh, like we learned in Colossians 2, this asceticism, you know, this idea of, you know, I'm going to fast and I'm going to suffer so I can be closer to God. That's not biblical. That's not of, of God. Um, and it does not obligate the Holy Spirit to awaken and move just because we skip a meal or two. But what we do see in fasting, that it is an assumed part of a Christian's life. Matthew 6, 17, Jesus said, when you fast. And then Matthew 9, 14 through 47, Christ says, when, he, when they're asked, you know, why do your disciples not fast? Well, Christ said, when the bridegroom is here, they do not fast. But when the bridegroom is gone, then they will fast. Well, Christ has ascended. So there is a time of fasting that was in the scriptures. Usually we see fasting connected with prayer and at the beginning of a spiritual work. When Christ began his ministry, he went to the desert and fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. Fasting reminds us of our desperate need for Christ more than food. So, both feasting and fasting are, can be acts of worship. We glorify God when we feast, and we glorify God when we abstain, because it's not about us, it is about Him. So, we may call for that time in the days ahead. Um, John MacArthur says that genuine fasting is simply a part of concentrated, intense prayer and concern for the Lord, His will, and His work. So as we prepare church, we want to be focused on the Lord, His will, and His work. That's our desire. The church sent, we desire as North Hills, to send. 
I mentioned it earlier. It's no surprise. We've, we've mentioned this. Evan and Adam, God is stirring in their heart to plant either a new work or a replant. There are, are many churches in our area that are, are dying, in fact. They are, um, there is not activity. There's not gospel ministry going forward. What a way to revitalize and replant in these uh, churches. So we prepare, we pray, we ask that you consider your role in this. There are those that will remain at North Hills, at, at this work, this body, uh, and be a part of supporting. Uh, but there are some of you that may be called to go and to plant as well. The church multiplied. We desire the kingdom to grow. Christ will build his church. Matthew 16, 18 tells us. And we desire for God's kingdom to grow, to be a part of it. Now, we are a part of it already. We're already giving to uh, the Southern Baptist Convention, where we have the North American Mission Board, the International Mission Board, both organizations that, that are part of church planting uh, in, in America and in the nations, international. Uh, we're part of Pillar Network, as John mentioned this morning. Uh, Pillar Network equips, plants, and revitalizes churches. So we are a part of that. We give to that as well. But as been said before, we desire to be a part of planting a church as Antioch did. Uh, we desire North Hills to be a part of that work. And then we desire to hear of the work. We desire to hear of God's kingdom advancing. And we desire to give God all the glory all the glory of all that comes about in planting of churches. The great news, the great things that we hear, uh, the lives that are changed, those that come to faith in Jesus Christ. And let's not leave out the difficult days, the hardships, the tribulations that planting new works may bring. We don't know for certain. We know that North Hills as, as beautiful and as wonderful as all the, the years have been, there, there were difficult days. There were times of hardship. Yet, it was the work that God had established, and therefore He receives the glory. And just because we plant these new works, guess what? The work here continues. We don't shut these doors and just move on down the road or, or whatever it may be. No, the work continues here. As God continues to call men, women, uh, to join us, to call qualified men, like the church at Antioch, they just did it all over again. They just started it with different, um, different pastors, different teachers, and they planted, continued to plant churches. That is what we desire to do. So the work would continue. We will share Christ with our neighbors as North Hills. We will preach Christ. And men, women, children come to faith and then continue to send out and grow God's kingdom. So the work will continue. We will remain faithful in what God has called us to do here as we preach Christ and as we gather, grow, give, and go. So, to close this message, this series of church planting, I hope you have heard uh, from our hearts as your elders. We don't want to do this, um, again, because it's fashionable or it's, it's uh, the right thing to do, the right time, or, or whatever metric we want to look at and face. We want to only do it by the power of the Holy Spirit and the work that He uh, would have us to do. And um, part of that work is preaching Christ. And uh, I'm not sure if we have uh, what guests we may have today or whether you're a guest or, or a member. What is that work? It's to preach Christ and Him crucified and to preach the gospel, the good news that Christ saves that, if you, that you, a sinner, separated from God, would turn from your sin, repent, believe on the name Jesus Christ, follow Him in baptism, 
be converted, trust Him, give your life to Him, then you are part of His church, and that is the work that Paul and Barnabas did and that we do here today. And believers, if you've heard this and you're, you're reminded of the work that God has done in your life, the Holy Spirit calling you and drawing you unto Himself, and you turning from your sin, repenting, be reminded of that great work that the Spirit has done in you and desire for that work to go to other places. So, church, let us prepare. Let us send out. Let us grow and multiply the kingdom. And let us rejoice in hearing what God has done. And let the work continue until Christ returns. Let's pray together. Our Father, we are so humbled that you desire to use your church to grow your kingdom. And I pray that everything that we have said in these three weeks, Lord, uh, this was not a sales pitch. This is not a uh, twisting of arms, of convincing. This is merely a response into the work that you're doing in and the life of your people. Help us, O oh God, to, to seek you, to pray, to perhaps fast, to intently focus on this new work that you're calling us to. And at the same time, continuing the work that you have already established here and among the men and women, the families of North Hills. Reminded of the, the phrase, the story and the glory of Christ. May it be far greater than the story and the glory of any church, church name, church building, certain preacher, pastor. May the work that God has established flow through us. And what will we do in response to that? We will give God all the glory. We pray all this in the name of Christ. Amen.